Subject of tonight's share is looking forward to Yom Kippur. The natural bent of a person when he thinks of Yom Kippur is he feels a little bit nervous, a bit concerned, and certainly not looking forward to it for a number of reasons. Number one, as we had today, any time that a Jewish person fasts is difficult for him. Because, you know, us Jewish people really enjoy our food. And it's difficult, you know, to go uh, for a day fast, and even more so for a 25-hour fast. Added to that is the idea that on Yom Kippur, it's not just a fast, and you can be home and sleeping, whatever, but it's a time where Shul occupies the center of the day more than any other day of the entire year. You have no less than five different services, you know, on this day, which is quite, quite astounding. In terms of the amount, you start off with Kol Nidre and Mariv, then you go to Shachris, Musaf, Mincha, and then you conclude with Ne'ilah. And that's on Yom Kippur. And then after Yom Kippur, you've got Mariv. And before Yom Kippur, you've got the Mincha, which is extended as well. So there's a tremendous amount of time in Shul. And let's face it, you know, in the generation of ADD, ADHD, we find it difficult to sit for such a long time and to concentrate and to get something out of it. The third reason why Yom Kippur is also difficult for us is because on Yom Kippur, you have to kind of like face yourself, which means that the whole focus of the day is teshuva. You know, on other days, you take Pesach, we're focusing on leaving Egypt. Shavuah is the receiving of the Torah. Sukkot, we focus on the clouds of glory. When it comes to Simchus Torah, we're focusing around the Torah and the joy Purim, the miracle there, Hanukkah, the miracle there, and even Rosh Hashanah, we're crowning Hashem as king. But on Yom Kippur, it's all about where the buck stops, which is me. And that's hard, that's difficult. No one ever likes to be told off. No one ever likes to see that he's doing anything wrong. And part and parcel of that is the difficulty that often we feel that, well, I'm never going to be successful at this anyway. Because I've tried so many times to change this part of me, that part of me, and I've never been successful. So it becomes very, very difficult. And the viduyim, the confessions, become laborious. Because, you know, you go again and again, we sinned, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I'm going to do it wrong anyway. And it just feels harder for you when you're actually doing it. Because it's like almost like someone taking a baton and hammering you down the whole day. And how much can a person really get? And because of that, then you get ratty, you get antsy in shul, people start irritating you, and it's a day where you're kind of like looking at the clock, counting the pages. That's how it can become. However, personally, I look forward to Yom Kippur. And I'll tell you why I look forward to Yom Kippur. And this took me a while before I understood this. Rav Aaron Kotler asks a fascinating question. Rav Aaron says that our rabbis know the following principle. And that is, if a person is sincere in his, in his uh, wanting to change, that's fantastic. But let's say a person isn't sincere. And he's going to go back to it anyway. So then, we dafka should not give him the opportunity to say vidui, to do the confession, because it's going to be insincere confession, which is adding insult to injury. So just to crystallize this, if you look in our Siddur, in the art school Siddur, so after the repetition of the Shemona Esra in the morning, you've got a page there saying vidui, confession. 
And you'll see some communities said, some communities don't. Our minag is we don't say that. The reason is this. Because we're scared if we would say it every single day. It would end up as a joke. Kachuchat lula, be a joke. Because, you know, you're saying I did this wrong, that wrong, and you don't really pay much attention. So, by the same token, it comes Yom Kippur. If we would take, let's say, a survey of all the people before Yom Kippur and after Yom Kippur, and we ask them, what do you think you're going to change before Yom Kippur? And then we come after Yom Kippur and say, no, did you manage? And they'll say, well, most people probably will say, but I fell back again on this and I fell back again on that. I did this wrong. I tried. It didn't really work. So then why are we being set up for failure? Surely, Chazal, our rabbis wouldn't have done that. So Rav Aaron says the following principle. It's based on a share from Rabbi Leif from the Mabit, I think it is. But um, it's a principle that really lives with me, and that is the following. When it comes to Yom Kippur, no one can feel like nothing towards the day. You know, either you feel an awe, you feel an inspiration, or you feel like this is, wow, everybody dresses up. You know, Jews who are far afield still feel something when they come to Shul and Yom Kippur and they hear those tunes. And when you're standing there on Yom Kippur, fasting, knowing that everything's at stake, and you look at the Siddur and you list off various things you've done wrong and you realize what you've done wrong, at that moment, do you want to change? Yes. Are you sincere when you confess I did wrong? Yes. Are you accepting upon yourself you don't want to do it again? Yes. So then, says of Aaron, you have achieved the level of teshuva. You have achieved teshuva. You have returned to Hashem. Ah, oh, but maybe a few days later, I'm going to come back to it. Okay. But at that time, you have achieved teshuva. Therefore, when the rabbis established the vidui, they understood that on that day of the year, when you say those words, most people are going to be sincere. And therefore, it's going to work for you. Now, to give you an example, let's say a person is in a, a situation where you have a child, right? There's a child. And this child loves to play in the mud, right? Loves it. He'll go and he'll dive in the mud. He'll get himself messy. He'll get himself whatever, like proper. And he does this all the time. Every so often, the parent looks this way. He's out. He's there. He's making a tremendous mess. Would you ever say that you shouldn't wash the child because he's going to get dirty again? Of course not. Preposterous. Because now when I clean him, he's clean. So too for us. Yom Kippur, on this day, we're going to become clean. There was a chazan at the time of the Baal Shem Tov, who when it came to the video, the confession, used to sing it in a happy voice. How do you sing, I've done this wrong, I've done that wrong, in a happy, sympathetic, joyous voice? The answer is because he understood that what we're achieving here is to be clean. I'm scraping off the dirt. I'm shining myself. I'm making myself presentable and clear for a clean slate. That's something special. That's amazing. So therefore, whenever we say the video, you have to imagine Grime, thick grime, and you're scrubbing it off. And with every video, you're scrubbing a little bit more, and you're scrubbing a little bit more. And that is going to mean 
that you're going to release this load of your shoulders and you're going to have a better Yom Kippur. Simple as that. But if you view it as, I'm so bad, I'm terrible, I'm never going to keep this, so then of course it's a load on your shoulders. But if you understand this principle, then you understand what's happening. Furthermore, the, the one of the Sidurim, I think it's the Oitzra Tvila says, that when a Jew stands up and he says Vidu, he says the confession, in Shemaim, in the basin in heaven, where they are finalizing our entire year, the prosecuting angel is silenced. Can you imagine? You have like a hectic court case. On the one hand, you've got the, you know, the defendants and the, and the prosecutor, and the prosecutor is really into it, and he's throwing questions, and he's creating contradictions, and he's nailing the person. All of a sudden, you have the opportunity to push a button and go, no prosecution. That's the power of the vidui. When Bilam Arosha in Parashas Bolok was stopped by the angel a couple of times to the point that it was the third time before his donkey actually sat down and he was hitting his donkey until Hashem revealed the angel in front of him as a message to him, do not go ahead. And the angel was holding a sword. And the angel said, had you continued, I would have killed you. You should thank your donkey. And Bilam turns to the angel and says, Chatasi, I've sinned. At that moment, he took that judgment off his head. It's an incredible thing. He's a Rosha. He's unrepentant in the sense that he still wants to destroy the Jewish people. But on some level, something penetrated inside of him, which is much less than us. And for that, his life was spared. He could continue on. So just the idea of admittance is a tremendous thing. The word vidui actually is not really confession. You know, when you think of the word confession, you know what you imagine? Imagine you're in a part of a church and you've got the priest over there and the priest says, tell me your sins. And the person starts saying his sins and the priest says, I'm going to take your sins away and that's it, go home and zehu. That's not vidui. Vidui is an admittance to oneself. That's a very different experience. It's not about throwing it onto someone else. It's standing up to the truth that this is the story, this is what happened, and I'm going to own it now. And I'm going to go forward. That's the vidui. So Yom Kippur offers us this magnificent opportunity once a year for 25 hours to clean ourselves off. One of the Rebbe's was found once breathing very heavily on Yom Kippur. (sighs) They said, Rebbe, what's wrong? He says, no, it's such a beautiful day. I want to imbibe its air. When he was davening on Yom Kippur, his eyes would be full of tears. He would be really involved in the prayers. But in the break, he was dancing. Why was he dancing? The answer is he was dancing. It's magnificent. You know why he was dancing? He was dancing because he said, what a wonderful day. What a wonderful day we have. What an opportunity we have. Rav Nosen Vogel, the Lakewood Mashkiach, blessed memory. He said that the reason why people really do fall after Yom Kippur is because they don't believe that they achieved anything in Yom Kippur. If they understand that what they've done is they've achieved now a clean slate going forward, so then they will make good on their promises, on their Kabbalahs, what they took on much better. Than before because they realize it. And that's why it's so important. 
when we start with the after Yom Kippur, which will affect the before Yom Kippur. Because the after Yom Kippur, you're supposed to rejoice. You're supposed to rejoice that you've gone through 25 hours and now that you're clean. And before Yom Kippur, if you have that in mind, it's a different story. The Poiskim ask, why do we have a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur? And don't say, well, I'm hungry, you know, I'm, I can't fast two days. That's not it. There's a mitzvah to eat on the day before Yom Kippur. And in fact, the, there's p- opinions that it's a Torah mitzvah, it's a derise, that on Erev Yom Kippur, on the day before Yom Kippur um, kicks in, the day before the night, you have an obligation to eat. And the custom is to have two bread meals. The last one is a bread meal before you actually start the fast, where you say shiramalus like you would a Yom Tov. It's joyous, it's happy. Right? It's a very different situation to Tishabav. People make that mistake. It's a magnificent, magnificent time. Why is there a mitzvah? So one of the ideas is like this. Yom Kippur, we get to do a mitzvah specifically on this Yom Tov. We don't have this mitzvah specifically on the other Yom Tevin. And that's the mitzvah of the Shuvah, the mitzvah of returning back to Hashem. And we have a meal to celebrate that mitzvah. Can you think about this? You know, I'll give an example. Remember, there was a, a certain person who had struggled a lot with drugs. Struggled a lot with drugs. And went through various ups and downs as it normally goes. Goes up, goes down, you, you're clean and you're not clean. Then she got to a point where the person was able to go clean legamri totally. And the person rejoiced. He had a simcha. He, he, you can't imagine the happiness that he was able to actually put that away, put that aside from him. So we are rejoicing that we have the mitzvah, so to speak, to go clean, to do teshuva and to put aside all that we don't want in ourselves, all that is obstructing us with the Kodesh Baruch Hu on this magnificent and beautiful day. Now, Yom Kippur has in it the following nature. Number one, it's a Yom Tov. Yom Tov means it's a happy day, which means... And even though we're fasting and we don't wear leather shoes and we have various restrictions, we're not allowed to just be sad on Yom Kippur. There's no room for depression on Yom Kippur, beating oneself up. It's a happy day. Therefore, we sing, we rejoice in HaKadosh Baruch And practically, for children who are not fasting, Yudavka should give them sweets, chocolates, because it's a happy day. I'd also eat the chocolate on Yom Kippur, but I would lose out. Because the Torah gave me a mitzvah to fast, which helps me with my teshuv. But for a child who has that no, no, no such mitzvah, so let him eat, let him rejoice. It's a happy, wonderful time. Secondly, the kohanim, the kohanim have a mitzvah to bless the Jewish people. In Chutzar, it's of Israel, we only do it at a time of our highest joy. What is that? On our Yom Tevim. So that's why the kohanim bless us on Pesach. Shua, Sukkot, you know when else they bless us? Yom Kippur. Huh? Yes. Because they're in a state of joy. They're in a state of simcha. And Yom Kippur, that's where they should be. So it's a time of joy. Yes, it's a serious time. You've got a lot of work to do. But it's a happy time. It's a wonderful experience. To be able to go and to clear ourselves like that is a gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. This gift originated when Moshe Rabbeinu came down 
on Sin, from Sinai to the Jewish camp. The Jews had served the golden calf and the first luchos, the first tablets had been shattered. That whole covenant, that whole connection with Hashem was now weakened. And on Yom Kippur, HaKadosh Baruch was sent down a second set of tablets, which is quite astounding. You know, if you, if you, if you got all the gifts from Hashem, you were taken out of Egypt, He gave you something tangible as a sign of our connection and then you messed up and it had to be broken. Why should he give you another one? But he did. Gave us a second luchos, a second tablet, which tells us a little bit about the nature of what this day is about because that day was Yom Kippur. What's the nature of it? It's a day of reconciliation. It's a day of coming back. It's a day of renewal. It's a day of having a second chance. That's what Yom Kippur is about. You know, when a person does something wrong, he messes up, makes a mistake, he hurts someone, all he would wish for is if he could go back and change that. And we can't, because we're not, uh, we don't have the ability to go back in time. But Yom Kippur has the power with Teshuvah to push the rewind button, and rewind and erase and go fresh. That's what Teshuvah really is the power to do. It's not a change just going forward. It's a retroactive change. If I would take the soccer ball and I'm playing with it outside and I kick it and I smash a window, that window will never be unbroken. The window could be fixed, could be changed. And, and put a new piece of glass put in. But the window can never be unbroken. It's always been broken. That's it. Tshuva is the ability to unbreak. But we've got to access it. We've got to go and we've got to use this time. And the opportunity that Hashem is giving us is something that we need to look forward to. The Sefer HaChinuch says, Hashem in His kindness knows that if He wouldn't give us this day, what would happen? What happened is, is that a person would slowly sully himself more and more and more and lower himself more and more and more and more until really he's going to be left in a very compromised position. When he gets to the next world, it's not going to be so pretty. So what HaKadosh Baruch will do, he made it that it would never reach too low a level because every year he gives you an opportunity to start afresh, to start anew, to begin again and to come back to HaKadosh Baruch. That itself, to me, is the most uplifting, wonderful thought that I think of when I look at the Yom Kippur prayers. Posuk says, Hashem We say this on Yom Kippur night, and it comes from the part when Moshe pleads for the Jewish people, and he lists a number of arguments pleading on our behalf. And Hashem says, Solach di kidvarecha, I have forgiven. Kidvarecha, according to your words. In other words, according to your argument. What does the word slicha mean, forgiveness? What does it mean to forgive? So the various levels of forgiveness. is when a person says, I'm so, you know, he says, I'm sorry. And the other guy says, okay, let's call it quits. But he still harbors in his heart upset, anger, resentment. The trust has been broken. He may not talk to him in the same way, may not confide in him in the same way. You know, the, the, the slicha is more a slicha of, well, let's make a truce. Slicha from a Kodesh Baruch is a repair back of the relationship, which is a different level. 
I'll give it to you as it was before, says Hashem. And now we're going to be closer. Because what you did is that you had the humility to admit, yes, I did wrong. And now I'm going to go forward. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, for that, we're going to repair the relationship. True slicha is when you can be as with me. You know, many years ago, there was a, a Yid in, uh, in Israel whose grandson was by mistake left in a car by a driver. The driver closed the door and it was too late. The child died. And what happened was that there was a prosecution against the driver. The driver really wasn't, uh, you know, he, he really didn't mean anything by it. It was a tragedy. And you should see how this grandfather, you know, said this is from Hashem and that's it. He didn't mean it. It wasn't on purpose. And there was a picture where the grandfather took this driver in his arms. Can you imagine such a thing? Imagine. And you know why? It's not that he didn't feel the pain. He felt the pain. But he understood this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and I'm going to, as best I can, move on. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants so badly for us. He'll pull us towards him. we just got to return. Gemara says, in a place where a Baal Tshuva, someone who does Teshuva, stands in Shemaim, even the Tzadikim Gemara, even the greatest righteous people cannot stand. What does that mean? So, the Gemara is talking about a Baal Tshuva, someone who kept Torah and Mitzvahs, and then he fell. But now he came back to Hashem. And he, in a sense, can achieve more than someone who never actually made a mistake. You know where you see the proof to this? Because Chazal tell us, that there were four people who never sinned in their lifetime. They Taka never sinned in their life. Yishai, David's father. Kilov, David's son. Amram, Moshe Rabbeinu's father. And Binyamin, Binyamin, the son of Yaakov. And nevertheless, they're not, they're not listed as the greatest people. The greatest person ever lived is Moshe Rabbeinu. Why? Because for a person to just stay... And yes, he guards very much against the virus. But you sometimes got to break the bone in order to make the bone stronger. And therefore, when a person does fall, he has the ability to lift himself up. Rav Hutna Zatzal writes in his letter that the Possek says by Shlomo Melech Sheva, he put Tzadik for Kamwe. The Tzadik falls seven times and then he gets up. Listen to these words. The Tzadik falls seven times and gets up. Says Rav Hutna, it's not that despite the falling he, he rose. No, it's through the falling that he rose. When he made a mistake, when he messed up, that actually caused him to be able to rise again, to be able to go even stronger and even better. You find this often in life with sensitivities. When a person, God forbid, has lost a child, a person has gone through a debilitating illness, a person is, has recovered from drugs, he's able to touch and to really connect to people in the same situation. A person has had to work on anger all his life. He's much more careful with his words. A person has worked on his ego very much. Okay. Apologies, my connection just froze over there. So to conclude, Yom Kippur is a day that I look forward to. 
It's a day that I believe we can all look forward to. If we look at it as an opportunity to get whatever we can, because Hashem is giving us. There was once a person who did a favor for the king. And the kings of those days had these magnificent treasure houses where they would keep jewels, gold, etc. And it was just like endless. And the king said to this person, as was the custom in those times, because of what you did to me, I'm going to let you go into my treasure room. And for a certain amount of time, you can take whatever you want. That, for me, is what Yom Kippur is. For a certain amount of time, Hashem has given us 25 hours to take whatever we want, to plead with Him, to ask Him, to beg Him to serve Him better, to get what we need in this world, to realize our dreams. All of that really is dependent on this day where our Kodesh Baruch Hu silences the prosecuting angel and opens the floodgates of blessing. Please God, we shall have a Gemach Simatova Gemensh the year. And Hashem should just shower brochas upon all of us.